Hello everyone, it is the 28th of February 2021 and we have had the very sad news today that Johnny Briggs, who played Mike Baldwin in Coronation Street for many years, has passed away. So what we thought we would do to pay tribute to his life on Coronation Street is to re-upload the character profile that we had previously done in episode 45, which was 2013. Um, we've uploaded it to our main podcast feed along with the original introduction, which was a YouTube introduction, which was, when did we upload this to YouTube? Uh, it was about a year ago, actually. Uh, last March last year, we put this up on YouTube. Right, so so this is a from a year ago, and then it's from... 2013. Which is more Eight time years back. Ago. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so it's the whole life story of uh, Mike Baldwin, mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and his shenanigans on the street... And um, we hope that you enjoy this small tribute to um, the life and work. Of Johnny Briggs. Yes, thank you. Hey everyone and welcome to our YouTube upload of the character profile of Mike Baldwin. Michael Vernon Baldwin. And this is taken from Conversation Street podcast episode 45, which we recorded way back in 2013, I think. This is, this is less than a year into our podcasting journey. We sound so young and happy. I don't know what was going on. I know we were obviously in a good mood to talk about Marvel. I think, I think Mike's a great character. Yeah. We've decided to pick him this week because... Because... Of the marriage of Adam and Sarah. Exactly. Adam Baldwin. Now, Adam Barlow, I keep forgetting that his name's not Adam Baldwin. Adam Barlow is the son of Mike Baldwin, and I'm sure that um, Mike is smiling down on him as he weds the lovely yeah, Sarah Lou this week. cracking great ceremonies, lad. Because <laughs> as we all know, he's a cockney. He is, Mike Baldwin the cockney. And as we know, that was Gemma's cockney accent. I won't... I won't. Cool, blimey, Gaffner. <laughs> anyway, here's the profile. Enjoy. This episode's character profile is Michael Vernon Baldwin. Why did we choose him? Why did you choose him? Factory stuff. I thought the factory storyline would turn out to be bigger than it was. and You picked him because you wanted to talk to me. Yeah, Gemma made the hours. notes. <laughs> Gemma made the notes this week. Usually he I do the character hours. profile. He came in to me and said, this, uh, it's, I know he's a big character, but there's not very much about him. It won't take very long. Oh, yes, there was. There was... There was thousands and thousands of words were so let's get on with it because we don't have very much time he was born on the 16th of february 1942 in london and he died on the 7th of april 2006 on the cobbles his father was frankie baldwin his mother was mary baldwin his brother was harry baldwin i'm sensing a theme his wives, Susan Barlow, 1986, Jackie Ingram, 1991, Alma Halliwell, no relation, 1992. To who? To Jerry Halliwell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Sykes, 2000. Children, Danny Baldwin, 1962, Mark Redman, 1983, and Adam Barlow, 1988. His first appearance was 11, 11th of October, 1976, and his last appearance was on the 7th of April, 2006, although that's not technically true, actually, because he appeared as a ghost. Oh, yeah. No, that, that wasn't on Corrie, was it? Okay. His number of appearances was a whopping 2,358, and he was played by Johnny Briggs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quite a very popular character is Mike Baldwin, isn't he? Even though he's he's kind of a baddie, but kind of not. He, he He's, he's b- one of those cheeky villains of the street. Yeah, but he's not really villainous. He was never sort of villainous villainous, but he was sometimes a really nasty piece of work, wasn't he? But Kind of like Norris sometimes. Norris can be a right git, but he's never really... But I don't think Norris has quite well, the charm no. of Mike Baldwin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not exactly alike, are they? Um, 
So um, Mike was originally supposed to be an only child, but then in 2004, when they wanted to introduce the rest of the Baldwin clan, um, they said that he had this brother, ha um, Harry, and Danny was his son. So Danny was then now this nephew of Mike. Um, although it turned out that actually Danny was his son, Mike's son. So a bit of a back story to Mike was that he was uh, a born businessman and even as a child he always had money making schemes on the go, a um, little bit like Chesney. Um, before he appeared in Corrie he started a denim factory and was living with Anne Woodley in Islington with her two sons so he like, had this common law wife. Yes. Um, and they originally introduced the character in order to make Coronation Street more popular with us Southerners because they wanted to have a Londoner in it. Yeah, this is this is before EastEnders started, wasn't yeah, it? I can't course. remember when that started. Yes. Was it eighties? It wasn't in nineteen seventy six. No. So go on, tell us the first story. Nineteen seventy six. Mike bought the burnt out Mark Britton warehouse on Coronation Street and turned it into his second factory for Baldwin's Casuals. Always get my cardigans from there. <laughs> he buys number five and sets up Bet Lynch as his housekeeper. But you know, housekeeper with inverted commas. He got fed <laughs> up with Bet, and when Anne came, his common world life, common war. Common war. Common war life. <laughs> That's what marriage is. <laughs> she confronts Bet and the Rovers and tells her exactly what's going on. Mike tells Bet it's over. He sells the house, but then he feels guilty and subsidises Bet's rent in the corner shop. Mike leaves Anne anyway and decides to move to Weatherfield permanently and also buys Sylvia separates in Victoria Street and moves Elsie Howard to the factory and gets Gail Potter and Susie Birchill to run Sylvia separates because they're young hip things. Yes. Um, so 1977, um, the factory was threatened by strike action. And I think through quite a lot of though, that 20, 30 years, there was threats of strike action. I by think the, the 70s um... was full of strikes. Yeah. So... Well, Mike wanted to introduce a three-day working week, um, and then he promoted his... very political and of the times. He promoted his girlfriend, Terry Clayton, to the sewing room, and, um, yeah, people... People was like Ivy that. and Vera and all these bolshy women weren't very happy with that. But they did strike in 1978 when Mike sacked Hilda Ogden for daring to ask for a new brush. Yes, because he said he should have looked after it. <laughs> yeah, in 1979, he asked her to be out on a date, which was mm, the highlight the of his year. <laughs> 1980. So um, Pauline Stringer, who was the, the new supervisor at the factory, got herself elected as shop steward, had an affair with Mike, but then walked out on him when he undermined her authority at the factory. Uh, and then later on in that year, in December, um, his dad Frankie turned up. Um, he nicked £70 from Fred G, disappeared, turning up a few more times in the show sort of in, in future years um, when... To, to show Mike to, where he got his womanising ways, basically. Basically, to make it look like the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. In 1981, when cars, when Ken's car breaks down, Mike wines and dines Deirdre. But when he buys a new flat at the housewarming, he winds up going off with Ken's date, Sonia Price, which then pushes Ken and Deirdre together, and they get married. Oh, match made in heaven. Mm. 1982, Mike's father dies, um, and then he turns to Maggie Dunlop for comfort, um, and he also had the chance to give his cleaner to, to give Hilda a pay rise um, to shut her up after they moved in together. Basically, um, Maggie moved out when Mike refuses to buy the florist that she worked in, um, and she was pregnant but won't marry Mike. So Mary marries the guy who did give her money for the business, which is Harry Redman. In 1983, after starting an affair with Deirdre in the previous year, Mike tries to convince her to leave Ken. But Ken asks for a second chance, and then Mike and Ken become lifelong enemies. So this was the, the very, very famous scene of um, 
Ken, uh, of Mike coming to see Deirdre at the door and then Ken pushing her up against the door. I think if you're going to show any scene from classic Corrie, that's the one that they show, isn't it? Uh, to to, rep- to represent times. Coronation Street in the past, that's the scene. Yeah. Uh, and that was such a huge storyline at the time. Now, I've, I did watch that on classic Coronation Street when it was on in Granada Plus, and it obviously wasn't as exciting because I knew the outcome of it, but I can tell why at the time it was so such a big thing then, especially as that was like the days before spoilers and soap mags and everything, to have this love triangle between Ken, who's the, the main man of the street, and, and Deirdre, who they'd been having a fairly happy marriage up until that point to have this horrible mic come in sort of getting in between them gripping stuff and then they show the results of it during a football match or something that, that when uh, they, they announced it up on the big screen that Ken and Deirdre were staying together can you imagine them doing that now they announced my birth at a, a football match and everyone cheered because my granddad was watching um, the Saints play at the Dell <laughs> and then it didn't have mobile phones so they had to tell him on the Announcement and everyone, hooray! <laughs> anyway, also that year, Mike opens the Graffiti Club. It is the 80s. Wine bar with Alf Roberts and Len Faircloth. That's where the medical centre is now. Ken slams the place in a Weatherfield record in the Weatherfield recorder, but he had to retract it because of advertising. Now that kind of thing doesn't happen usually. <laughs> and calls Mike the debonair dynamo of denim. I mean, after this affair, that was it between Ken and Mike. And from then on, for the next 20 years, they were at each other's throats, rivals for, for everything. And it was, it was really great whenever they had a scene together because the, the animosity between them. Just like Gail and Eileen. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? In 1984, Mike sells his share of the Boeing bar because the books were a bit dodgy. And the next year, he gets in a relationship with Susan Barlow, Ken's daughter, who was 20 at the time and also living with Ken. Oh, yeah, I think... Did he just do it just to get back at Ken, do you think, maybe? Probably worth it. <laughs> uh, well, they they plan to get married in 1986, uh, and Ken kind of begrudgingly gives Susan away. Um, but there's not, not a marriage made in heaven, as you can imagine. Um, and he, well, she wanted a career. She was a, a strong sort of 80s woman. Well, and... she was Ken's daughter. She wasn't going to be any housewife was she no but he wanted her to stay at home because like his idea of women were like back in the prehistoric days so she walks out but discovers that she's pregnant and has an abortion um supposedly uh and then mike can't forgive her for it in 1988 mike stops making denim and starts making curtains and Kelly watts um, a young Kelly Watts writes some kind of thesis or something <laughs> that ends up being leaked to ken what and- about about the factory about saying that factory was a sweatshop right, but okay. from this ken gets the idea that um mike's selling substandard curtains as first quality and p- publishes a piece in the weatherfield reporter but then has to retract it again when mike threatens to sue him yeah um later on that year mike got disqualified from driving because of drinking and then sacked vera and ida for dobbing him in although was that, I can't remember whether I, when I was looking it up, whether it was actually them that did it. I can't remember. Um, he also made an enemy, another enemy of Don Brennan that no, Vera, year. No, he thought it was Vera, but it's actually Ida. Oh, okay, right. So he made an enemy of Don Brennan later that year as well, after he won his taxi in a poker game. And that was another um, real a sort of animosity. There, there, there's a lot of animosity between, um, between those, those two. two up until Don's death. Um, in 1989, he met 
Alma Sedgwick, who um, seduced him after beating him at golf. He then dumps her for Sean Prescott and sells the factory Dawn as Prince well. Prescott, Dawn Prescott. Sean Prescott. Did I say Sean? Yeah. Oh, sorry. At least I didn't say John Prescott. <laughs> and he sold the factory as well. He bought he bought land in Spain from uh, Dawn's brother, but then it turned out to be work, worthless, so he kicked Dawn out because basically she... she I think he's like he paid £150,000 for this land. Um, but he basically, he had nothing left. He had to start all over again, and he started off making handbags in Alma's flat, but it got shut down. So then he took a job working at Peter Ingram's factory and ended up worming his way into um, his wife's heart, Jackie. Mm. Peter died of a heart attack, so Mike married Jackie and took over the factory, but the marriage ended after two weeks when Jackie found out that he was giving handouts to Alma. Yeah, um, he bought the gra- the garage with his divorce settlement, uh, and, and thanks to a loan from Emily, and he called it MVB Motors, um, where he employed Kevin and Jim. So that was how Kevin started off at the garage. Um, he started another business called MVB Print, which is like a t-shirt printing company and, and whatever, and Steve was the one that was running that, a young Steve McDonald. Um, Basically, they spend a lot of time trying to do each other over, him and Steve, but Mike eventually triumphs of course. over him. Yeah, so in, by 1991, Alma and Ken were together, and Mike obviously wanted Alma for himself. Um, she spent Christmas Day with Mike, and then when she confessed to Ken, he walked out on her. In 1992, Alma and Mike marry. Ken and Mike's rivalry increases when Ken starts dating Mike's old flame, Maggie. Mike plays father to Maggie's son, Mark Redman, is that right? Yes. Um, and sends him to grammar school, even though he can't afford it, and Mike actually hates it. Yeah, and that was Oak Hill School, which was the one that Rosie later goes to. Tracy then reveals that Mike is actually Mark's father, and the two spend time together before Maggie decides to move away. Yeah, and I think that was when they changed um, the age of Mark so that he could be the same age as Nick, which we mentioned a few weeks ago. So in 1995... um, now, this is when I started watching it. Uh, Mike bought some flats in Crimea Street, taking on Deirdre as uh, his housekeeper there. Uh, and that's what we were talking about in our last character profile, because that was the introduction of Roy Cropper. Um, and in 1996, Stephen Reed, who is Gail's half-brother, um, came into the show. And he's Canadian! Yes. Um, and because he wanted to find a manufacturer for his firm. And Mike started a new factory, sold the garage, um, tricking Don... And um, his lover Josie into paying more than it was, or much more than it was worth, which meant that the business had to fold up. Mm-hmm. Alma makes a pass at Stephen, but is turned down and then confesses everything to Mike, but he doesn't care as long as it doesn't affect his business. Don Brennan goes insane when Josie leaves him, tries to kill himself, and leaves Steve, Stephen Reed to cancel his contract with Mike when he finds out about his dodgy dealings. Then Don decides to burn down the factory <laughs> and Mike is nearly arrested for arson, but he gets off thanks to his lawyer. I definitely remember that happening, but I think because I had, I'd only just been watching it for maybe a year then and I was, I was only like, how old was I then? 13, 14? I, I didn't really know much about the backstory, so it's interesting hearing everything that's led up to this now. Yeah, so anyway, Mike was nearly arrested for arson, but got off. Um, Don tried to abduct Alma in his taxi, he was driving around the streets of Rutherfield, that was a great episode. Drives into the canal, Richard Hillman style. Um, unbeknownst to Alma then, Mike started Underworld with um, Angie Freeman. Uh, Alma tried to get a job at Furman's Freezers, uh, but Mike wasn't happy at all with the idea that he'd be um, married to somebody who was working as a checkout girl. Um, so he whisked her off to Cyprus. 
He does. Mike doesn't get on well with his business partner Angie, but he has worse trouble when Don escapes in the mental ward and attacks Mike with a chair leg. I remember that. That was scary. Don then kills himself by driving Mike's car into the viaduct. That was really good. That's one of my favourite exits from the 90s, I think. Um, 1998 was when Deirdre went to prison and um, he frustrated, I think, Alma and Ken by being Deirdre's supporter and, and Deirdre sort of was, was oh so grateful to Mike once she, also, once she escaped, when, he, not just escaped, when she was let off. He um, he got her, his lawyer, who got him off of yeah. arson, yeah. the arson charge. We also had um, everything with um, Haley coming in that year and Mike finding out that she was a transsexual and being pretty nasty and making fun of it and um, he sacked her. Um, when you say it though, you mean the the fact that she was transsexual, we weren't referring to her as it, <laughs> no. of course. He, he was really horrible, he was mocking her openly and um, he, he... I'm kind of glad they had they had a character to do that to show how vile it is. Yeah, but he settled down eventually because Hayley stood up for herself, didn't she? Yeah, well, he sacked her and then he was forced to reinstate her and decided that he was going to continue to be horrible to her, but she kind of... Yeah. They, he never really accepted her, but he, he stopped calling her names, I think. Yeah. In um, 1999, Mike was blackmailed by Julia Stone, who slept with him and threatened to send photos to Alma. Uh, but Alma found her anyway and moved out. And during the separation, Mike, Mike fell in love with uh, Linda Sykes. Um, and Alma... Linda Sykes is a character that I've, I don't know who she, what she looks like I don't know anything about her but her name just keeps cropping up It does and she wasn't even a big character particularly She got herself in a lot of storylines that girl Yeah well Alma and Mike uh, got divorced um, and then that year there was a, quite a big storyline because Linda was having an affair with Mark who was back on the scene again played by a different actor um, so at Mike and Linda's wedding it all came out um that uh, this this affair was going on and, and Mark had been his best man so it was rather awkward um that was in 2000 yeah 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 oh and Roy had to step in as being his best man um because Mark had disappeared on the day because he like couldn't face it so that was very awkward um but for some reason Mike decides to not forgive Mark his son but forgive Linda instead. It was very awkward. They were like, I remember them like in the back of a horse-drawn carriage together, and it was a bit, ooh, a bit tense, <laughs> as it would uh, be. Mike in two thousand and one finds out about Adam. Yeah, so that's Susan Barlow's son that she didn't actually have abdu um, abducted, <laughs> aborted. <laughs> the doctor's going to abduct you. So um, he was brought up in Glasgow and Mike demands to be able to see him. But Susan decides to escape from Mike's clutches but dies in a car crash. Um, and Adam survives. But then Ken and Mike both try to get custody. But Mike wins. Yeah. Um, he then started seeing Penny King, who was the wife of um, another factory boss who had also died of a heart attack, I think, if I remember it's right. It's a stressful job. <laughs> um, and it, that, led out, that led to a falling out between him and Fred Elliott, who also fancied Penny. And then we got, got the whole storyline with Danny turning up and he was married to, or was he married to, I can't remember, Frank, yeah, he was, he was married to Frankie it's Baldwin, it's not weird. Frankie Baldwin, yeah. Mike's dad, <laughs> that was a bit Frankie, of Frankie, a... a lady, <laughs> I did like Frankie. Yeah, I liked her, she was one of the only ones in that clan that I liked. Yeah, um, this supposed nephew turns out to be his son, and Danny Baldwin was not happy about being Mike's son, even though Mike really wanted to make the relationship work, but then it sets up a rivalry between Adam and Danny, who both try to take control of the factory, but when Mike starts to get Alzheimer's, 
Danny gets legal control of the business. Mm. I remember when Johnny Briggs was leaving and they made a a thing about it's going to be quite a long, drawn-out exit and they wanted to have this Alzheimer's storyline. Um, and I remember them starting to drip it in because Mike would suddenly start to call Penny Alma or something. Um, and then it got worse and worse and it was quite sad, wasn't it, the way that it played out? Well, you know that I don't... I've never saw any... The only episodes I saw with... Mike in it was when he came back because in 2005 he let he left with Alzheimer's to live in Spain but then returned for his final days that was that was horrible that was when I that was when I the last the the first I saw of him actually and I remember you telling me this this is one of the main characters in Coronation Street this guy here is one of the main characters so didn't you see any of this stuff you but you saw the stuff with Danny and I don't. And Frankie and stuff. Didn't he, you? Yeah, but Mike wasn't really in it when I was watching it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he broke out of hospital in the end, didn't he? Um, and then he was sort of walking around the streets in his dressing gown and everything, and he had quite a, a sad. He was very confused. Yeah, he was. He was didn't know what was going on, and he was at, he wound up at the factory, didn't he? And died in Ken's arms. Which of a is, heart attack. Yeah, what a, a sad way for him to go and quite well, kind of poetic. It was sad in one sense, of course, because it's a terrible affliction and one I think one of the worst things that we're facing as a society, like in the future, is going to become more of a priority for people mm. to try to cure this. But in another sense, Mike left triumphantly claiming yeah. that Deirdre was all his that, and that he had won. That gave me chills when he was dying and he was like, Deirdre's mine, Barlow. And Ken was like, I don't know, Mike. And then he died. It was, so, it was really, really sad. I think a lot of people got a bit mad that Mike died this early because Alzheimer's can be a problem for years and years and years. And and the producers obviously didn't want it to last for years and years and years. So they had to have yeah, him die can't. another way of, of pneumonia, I think it was, a, and, and then this heart attack. Um, but it was a, a really good ending well, for him. Well, let's be frank. There's no way they could have kept the storyline going on for years. No. No. Um, so, I mean, so you didn't see much of Mike Baldwin then, so you can't really no. tell me much of what you liked about him or not. Well, no. Like, well, like I said, I enjoyed him. He was he was a good kind of villain because he he wasn't really a villain, but he was just somebody that was nasty. And he was it was good to have like a Cockney wide boy kind of character on the program. Yeah. Good character, good character. Sadly missed. Well, his exit storyline was praised by quite a lot of journalists, including Johan, I assume that's how you pronounce it, Hari in The Independent, who I later found out was um, in trouble for plagiarism. So I hate to plagiarise this. He said, A soap can do Alzheimer's perfectly because it can draw on the collective memories of its audience in a way no other art form except perhaps the epic novel can. When Mike loses it and starts crying for Alma, the ex-wife who died years ago, we remember her too. Which Mm. is um, a very good point. Yeah. It wouldn't, this doesn't really work. I mean, you can you can do storylines about Alzheimer's in any medium, of course, but in soaps really are positioned best to take advantage of the yeah, fact the that... Yeah, the characters have got so much history. Especially considering that Alma died of cancer and everyone really loved her. And mm. so when he's wondering where she is, it is kind of like... It's It brings it back up again for you. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. it was a um, well-crafted storyline, even though I couldn't really appreciate it to its full extent because I'd never seen what Mike was really like before, mm. I still thought it was very well handled. Yeah. Especially the the whole epic rivalry coming to such a tragic end because 
I think that they kind of they did kind of make up before the end. There was a scene where I think they were both involved in the hostage drama at the at the supermarket, and Ken and Mike were tied up next to each other, and they kind of agreed to to let bygones be bygones. So well, they obviously they didn't. Well, they weren't they weren't total rivals by the time he died. That's what I'm saying. They okay. kind of made up, but because Mike was losing it, he thought he, thought was, he still... was still the arch enemies. Mike uh, Ken must have been like no. Deirdre's my wife, but I can't tell you because you're sick. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> right, I think we better tie that one up there. So um, back next week with another character profile. There you go, everybody. Thank you for listening to that one. Hope you enjoyed reliving some of Mike's finest moments on the street. Um, I've been quite enjoying watching him on Classic Coronation Street um, in the last couple of years. Um, I know we sounded... Well, when we recorded that character profile, we had obviously watched him on modern Coronation Street, but it had been quite a long time since he died, isn't it? But now in, in my head, he's much more kind of relevant contemporary character as I am, as I'm watching him, as he was back in 1995, I think they're on the moment. 1994, 1995. Watching him on Classic Cory. Yeah, and I am enjoying him, but it's making me see more and more that he really was a nasty piece of work, but lovable. I can't help but love um, the Mike Baldwin as he is at the moment because he is only interested in number one. He seems to have no morals and he'll do whatever he can to get what he wants. He doesn't care who he hurts. Even Cleveland Alma, his, his uh, poor suffering wife at the moment, has to put up with... Um, Mike Baldwin pretty much doing what Mike Baldwin wants, all just to get as much money, status and power Lovely, as possible. Lovely, money. Yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been proper nasty and I've enjoyed watching uh, things like the, um, the, the saga where he got married to Jackie. Um, I've been enjoying seeing some of his, more of his relationship with Deirdre. Um, it's, it's been really, really awesome. And also um, the, the stuff that uh, with uh, Steve uh, McDonald, who's come into some money recently on Classic Coronation Street, and Mike has not been impressed at all that Steve's bought a house in, um, in the flats. And it's, it's been quite funny seeing Steve attempt to put, um, uh, put him down a peg or two, put Mike Baldwin down a peg or two. But at the end of the day, Mike Baldwin is always the one laughing. He always has a last laugh, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Even as he was there lying in Ken Barlow's arms, his final words yeah, was him crowing that he, uh, that he was the one that Deirdre <sighs> loved. Really, really great character. Die as you live. Being really annoying and only caring about yourself. On his gravestone. Yeah, great. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll see you next time with another character profile. Bye.